Do you crave deep and meaningful conversations? The kind of conversations that jazz you up, stretch your mind, and leave you wanting more? Welcome to Suzanne Says, Courageous Conversations About Life and Living. I'm your host, Suzanne Bird-Harris, and I talk with friends and colleagues about what lights them up, their fears and flaws, who they've been, who they are, and who they're becoming. You know, the stuff that makes and breaks us. So get comfy. Here we go. All right. Good morning, Landon Porter. How the heck are you today, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? (laughs) Pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. So, Um, I have been really excited about having this conversation with you. Um, I've told you in many ways and occasions that I really like talking to you and picking your brain about stuff and seeing, and as, as crazy as it sounds, I really love the way you poke at me in conversations because it makes me get clear and think about stuff that... I might have it might have escaped my attention because you have a different perspective than I do. So um, I have no idea where this conversation is going to lead us, but I know for sure it'll be awesome because you're awesome and I'm awesome. And how can you do awesome plus awesome and not end up with awesome? So um, for the for everyone who might be listening, um, I've only known you for just over a year, right? Is that a little bit longer than that? You came into my world not quite two years ago. I was doing the client acquisition stuff. Yeah, I'm thinking like early last year when I found you through Leads Lab and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and. What a great timing that was for me because you were in the process of switching gears already to doing what it is you do now. And one of the questions that I've asked everybody I talk to is without telling me what you do, who are you? So I think I want to start there. I'm just a dude who is playing the game of trying to figure out myself. I find that to be an accurate answer. (laughs) So tell me, I mean, I could answer that question the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for sure that I have been as purposeful about that in, but with different methods than you are purposeful about that with your methods. And I'm very grateful to be hanging out with you on a regular basis these days to get your perspectives and get some of the ways in which you play that game and applying them in my world and seeing how that shakes out for me. Um, I personally have I can't remember a time when I wasn't asking myself, who the heck are you woman? You know, Um, can you, was there a catalyst event or something that happened in your world, in your life that put you on this path? Or have you like me always kind of been super curious about what the hell are we and what are we doing here? My earliest memory of a question in that vein was, four years old on the swing set in the backyard of my mom's house, looking off into the sunset, wondering what this is all about. Oh, wow. We really were supposed to meet. (laughs) I can see the clothes I was wearing. I know exactly what the backyard looked like. I can see how the the house was painted. Like uh, I was four years old and changed. My little sister was sitting next to me. Mom was inside in the kitchen. It was probably five 30 or six, maybe seven o'clock at night sun setting. And it was just awe-inspiring. The whole sky was orange. It was crazy. And I remember thinking like, this is magic. What is this? That was my earliest thought about it. Um, 
through my later single digit years, um, I went from little kid knowing that this is all magic to angry little kid thinking this is hell. Right. And then like all of us, I went through my preteens and adolescent and was always looking for that thing. What is it? Right. I know there's something to this and I don't remember what it is. Um, and as I've, as I've really doubled down on this game of self, memories like that have come back, um, trying to understand like, when was it I first recognized, who this is, this is weird. This is like, what the hell is this? Who am I? Why am I here? What's this about? Right. Um, I've always been asking myself that question. My game, and I think, I think we're all playing our own game, right? Many of us are playing a version of somebody else's game, and we're not even aware that we are playing a game, let alone our own game. The game that I've been playing since my mid-teens has been a game of trying to sort myself out, trying to figure myself out, trying to fix something that is obviously wrong with myself so that my experience doesn't have to be so damn hard, right? Which mm -hmm. in and of itself is a game. That's um, mm -hmm. a fascinating game for me, game of self. How do I get to know myself so that I can understand myself so I can lead myself? Ultimately, how do I navigate my being in this place in such a way where I get what I want. I do what I want. I have what I want. I'm becoming what I want. Game of self. Interesting. I, I have a very vivid memory of, and I know I was three because of where we lived at the time, um, of laying in my bed at night. I was... <laughs> I was one of those lovely children that was the last one, last soldier dead and the first one up in the morning. I only slept probably four or five hours a night, much to my mother's chagrin. And being the oldest of four, ultimately four daughters, all born within six years, you know, there's six years between me and my youngest sister. I know now from experience what that's like to have a child like that amidst popping out one, you know, three more, boom, boom, boom. And it was maddening, I'm sure, to be my mother. Um, but I remember laying in my bed, trying to go to sleep and having this sudden, where was I before I was here? Hit me. And laying there trying to remember and and when you said remember you too we're trying to remember what this is I really that really struck me because that is exactly what I was trying to do laying there three years old with the flowery wallpaper on the wall staring at that trying to remember where I was before I was here before I was this me and then conversely trying to figure out well, shoot, where am I going to be after this? If I can't remember before now, what's after this? And that's what people call dying. And man, well, if I don't know where I've come from, how do I know what I'm going to do here while I'm here? And to say that I was a, a Unique individual as a child is an understatement um, because those are the kind of questions, you know, my mom always said I uh, didn't ever want to ask a question until I thought I had the answer. So interacting with me felt like a test more than a conversation. And that is the first time I remember being perceived wildly differently than what I was feeling inside, you know, and, and now I know as an adult, part of that equation, part of that gap is intention and perspective. Um, and the gap between my perspective and the person I'm talking to. So it does not surprise me at all to find out that you at a very similar young age, started asking yourself the big feed questions like that. 
Um, I really, really love the fact that you grew up as a boy and I grew up as a girl and that whole idea of we're playing someone else's game, whether we know it or not, that's influencing us, all of our, you know, our parents, the adults in our world when we were little um, and all the way through, all the people we've come in contact with have, have affected us to what degree we are sometimes in charge of. <laughs> um, so what do you, what was it like for you to be a guy with these questions as a single digit kid, a, a teenager? Because I have a feeling how this played out in my head is different than how it played out in your head because of that major difference and probably a whole slew of others, but that one in particular. Well, at different times it was different, right? So when I was a little kid, it was just like, it was almost like personal common knowledge that this is all magic. Like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then my, my particular life path, this go around got really hard at five, really mm -hmm. hard and was really hard for a lot of years. And so I went from, this is all magic to like, this is hell. This is, why is it like this? And that, oh my God, this is magic turned to like, why the fuck is it like this? Right. And in that, in that process, somewhere around seven or eight years old, I remember having, having the thought of, um, there's something to this, almost like a wizard behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And I can't quite put my finger on it. Like, I know something's there, but I don't know what it is. I don't remember. Like, I know that I used to know, but I, I don't know what it is. Um, and it's that thing, that it, that I've been in search of, right, my whole life. And some of the ways that I explain it is we play a game of hide and seek with ourselves, right? That thing, that it thing is what I actually am, which is different from what I believe myself to be. This version of me is a character that I've become. And that thing that I know to be there, that's magic, that's like that wizard behind the curtain, that, that something that's right is there, but I don't know what it is. And as we go from my take as we go from little kid to, to adolescent, we go through that period of where we really kind of begin to form our identity based on how we want other people to think about us, feel about us, see us, treat us, etc. Right? We fall in line basically, and we become mm -hmm. more of that, more of that identity. Um, when I was when I was going through that myself, what it was like was there's all these people around me, but like, I'm alone. Right? Oh my God, yes. Um, does everybody think like, does everybody, does everybody see this? Does everybody know this? And everybody's just acting like it doesn't exist, right? <laughs> like what the hell? Um, and I think, um, <clears throat> I think all of us have had our own weird, hard, difficult, whatever, path upbringing, et cetera. And I think we all deal with it a little bit differently. One of the ways that I dealt with it, one of my coping mechanisms was um, to utilize my intelligence. I think we are all naturally intelligence, intelligent, and some of us expand on that or express that, uh, take advantage of that, explore that, and some of us don't. Um, one of my coping mechanisms to deal with what was going on internally was to get intelligent quickly. And like you, I didn't ask questions really until I thought I knew the answer, right? Yeah. That mentality. Um, it was safe to know the answer before I was put into a situation to where I might not know. 
right? right. And that leads to its own group of, of issues and, and quote unquote problems. Um, but that's, that's kind of the stance that I took was, I know there's something going on. I know there's something to this. I don't remember what it is, but mm-hmm. I'm smart enough to figure it out. And in the meantime, basically, I've got to deal with all these people that are in my way. They're all in my way for me to try and figure out this thing. And here I am in my mid forties going on mid forties and I'm really clear on what it is. We play a game of hide and seek with ourselves and it's who we really are versus who we think we're supposed to be. Right. It's that dichotomy. That's it's that perceived separation of self from source. Um, And it was, it was odd. That was when I was a little kid. It was, it was that I was angry and pissed off and I knew there was something, but I forgot what it was. And it was like the most important thing. Right. And at the same time, life's busy and there's all this stuff going on. And right. Even as a little kid, seven, eight, nine years old, there's so much new. Right. But now so much of it is not magic compared to four or five years previous to where now it's almost like just trying to get through it. Mm-hmm. Then you become a teenager and like, holy crap, the full realization that you're a separate individual and there's all these other people and how do you fit in, right? Do you fit in? Do you want to fit in? What do you do when you realize you don't fit in with the people that you want to, like in all of that madness? Mm-hmm. Right? What, what ultimately always went on in my head is there's something to this, there's something going on, there's something way bigger than what is being presented on the surface level. And either everybody's playing a joke on me and everybody knows what this is, or everybody feels as lost as I do. That's kind of what was going on in my head. I grew up in church. My parents, um, for the most part we went to a united methodist church and every sunday we were there rain or shine and i have around the same time that i was three laying in my bed wondering where i'd been before this i was in a sunday school class where our sunday school teacher was telling us that God is in us and God is everywhere around us. And that little song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, throw the bushel off and all that good stuff. We sang that. And I remember thinking two things. If God's in me and God's everywhere, I can buy that. I can, I can deal with that idea that makes sense to me because there's, that is my explanation for all the things that I don't understand at this moment. It's God at work and I'll figure it out as I go along. The other one was that song and shining my light. Even at that age, I felt so wildly different from everybody around me, young and old. And I thought, oh, there's no way this world is ready for me to throw my bushel off. There's, I, I don't know what would happen if I did that. I'm going to stay under my bushel. And for the better part of my growing up years and going to church, I was, <laughs> I was this questioning child that wanted people to prove to me the things they were trying to get me to swallow ideologically. And very quickly, I was introduced to the hypocrisy that is humanness. <laughs> and man, that did a number on me. It, it, it um, compounded my questioning. And it also, I realize now gave me a real uh what's the word like sarcastic is coming to mind but that's more about expression but what I was taking in was always with a grain of salt like 
you people don't know what you're talking about. Look at you, <laughs> you know? So I managed to make it through 18 years of weekly Sunday services and being Sunday school and listening to sermons and having zero feeling of connection to that God in me. I knew it was there. I had my own definition of what that was, but it didn't sound like what they were talking about. And what they were talking about sounded like a whole bunch of freaking rules that somebody, I remember being a really like five or six thinking, okay, you have to believe that some God, whatever that is, can speak to humans in a way that humans can understand such that humans like Moses can dictate what they're receiving. And here's the rules. And then what a power play to be saying, oh, no, this is the rules because God said instead of because I said, either as a leader in the community, a parent in the home, whatever. So authority issues were born young and deeply in me. And coupled with the super, super sense of curiosity that I've always had, um, I don't think I really understood how to cope with that light in me until I hit the Al-Anon rooms at 29. And like many other people in the 12-step program will tell you, they didn't really have a understanding, a personal understanding of a higher power until they hit those rooms. I'd already, you know, there's a, Marin Morris has a song to Helen back and the first two lines are something like, uh, smoke is coming off my jacket and I left the trail of ashes and that's how I felt like I lived my life up to that point. And I looked backwards, I thought, man, girl, you're going to have to make some rules for yourself because trying to follow these other rules is getting your ass kicked. And this isn't fun anymore. And I don't want to play this game anymore. So I got to figure out who I am and what I want and how to get it. So it is no surprise to me that our paths, our paths crossed. What surprises me about it is it didn't happen earlier. Um, but I think, you know, the timing was right for that when it happened. So how do you, did you go to church? Did your family go to church and stuff? Yep. So both, both sets of grandparents were Lutheran. They went to two different Lutheran churches. Um, there, my, my grandmother's mothers were religious, all of them, um, all Lutheran. My mom was a bit of a hellraiser and a rebel. And she went to, um, she went to an alternative church. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had from early on, albeit subtle, conflicting doctrine, right? And then throw in, you know, like I said, my mom, my mom was a hellion and a hellraiser and all of that. She was, um, she is into more of the mystical stuff, mm -hmm. astrology and numerology and right. Intuitiveness and stuff like that. And so from an early age, I was like, so is this right? Or is this right? Or is that right? Or are they right? Like, right. You're all full of shit. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And so that, that was, that was my upbringing. In fact, <clears throat> Sunday school and all of that, I went through everything, but confirmation. Like I was old enough by the time confirmation came around that I was like, yeah, no. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't have the balls to say, yeah, no, I wanted to, but I didn't have the nerve. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like you, I had a big issue with authority in in several, in several ways for many different reasons. And that whole notion of, so you love me completely, but you're going to send me to the worst place in the universe forever. Yeah. What? And, yeah. um, that, that really caused 
looking back on it now, that really caused me a lot of turmoil. That that was probably part of the root of quote unquote, my problem with myself, my issue with myself is if to use that terminology, if God made me in his likeness and set forth a, a very short list of very simple rules, easy to follow, then why is he always berating me on how I'm not acting right? And that I was born bad and all of this shit. And I'm just like, you know what? No. Yeah. And I think that really contributed to my self-image. Like I was mean, angry, bitter, judgmental. I was a I was a mean little fucker, right? Like I've even got the t-shirt, my inner child's a mean little fucker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really, I really was that because I really felt like something's really wrong with me. Like, and not to, not to put blame on something outside of myself. I think, I think the truth of it is those unanswerable questions. Is it God? Is this evolution or any of the other million possibilities it could be? are only possibly answered truthfully at an individual level. Yeah. Yeah. But likening that whole experience to, but I want to stay up and play video games with this new video thing I got for Christmas at eight or nine years old. No, you have to go to bed because there's school tomorrow. Okay. So obviously that's the authority, right? Right. And transfer that over to, no, God loves you completely, but he'll send you to hell and you better, you better do all of these things. And oh, by the way, there's somebody else that is like a translator between you and this thing, man, talk about screwing me up. And so what did I do? I totally rebelled against the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, probably foundational to my incessant pursuit of what is this and what is it about. Um, And then as an adult taking full responsibility for myself, the only thing it can be is my opinion of myself. Oh, that changes things. Why did I feel that way? Why did I think that way? Why did I act that way? Because that's how I felt about myself. Oh, now that's something I can do something about. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I um was I saw early early on the ways in which organized religion is man controlling other men mm-hmm. mankind like men women children the whole thing um and as a result that also contributed to my whole thumb in my nose at authority left, right, and center, but it also added a layer of disdain for authority. Like, not that I was above it, but it just didn't apply to me because you people have this whole ass agenda that I'm not buying into. And yet in my in my childhood. I quickly figured out that if I just shut the hell up and quit asking my questions and quit expressing my observations, life was easier than when I didn't shut up. So I learned quickly to shut the hell up and conform just to get to tomorrow in one piece. But the whole way through it was like I was in my inside myself just going, oh, wait till I get grown. I'm busting out of this mess. And bust out I did in my teens. In my case, we moved around um, after my eighth grade year. We were constantly moving due to one or the other of my parents' job situations. And uh, the final move was here to Tulsa from the East Coast, which culture shock, holy crap, let me list the ways. Um, But I was 17 and 
pretty sure I knew everything I needed to know to get on with it and fired my parents, moved out in my senior year and moved in with my boyfriend and started making some decisions about what I wanted to do because all the plans I thought I had had gone up in smoke with each one of the consecutive moves and the next probably from yeah the next 10 years were an experiment in terror for me and I had two of my three children in those years um trying to figure out who I was as a woman, who I was as a human, who I was as a mother, because I had very specific ideas about the one thing I've known from childhood that I wanted to do with my life was to have children. And I used to say, I used to think that was all driven by how I wanted the chance to quote unquote, do it right because I didn't feel like it was being done right with me. Um, but I found out with a hard thud on my ass in my 20s that mm, they were doing the best they had could with what they had to deal with. And they had to deal with me. So woof, take your vitamins, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, now approaching 60, I look back at my childhood and some of the interactions I had with my mother and how I perceived her. And I catch myself sounding the same way. Not driven or I don't think driven or motivated by the same things. But I always had this image of her being so very judgmental. And there was only one way that was the right way. And it was her way. And I'm like, oh, God, I have heard myself sound like that. Oh, but it's different because this, this, this. No, it's really not different to anybody listening. And so that level of introspection that I always felt was always a part. It's deepened now in the last 10, 15 years. And you know, my kids are 34, 28, and 22 right now. So the last, you know, the last 10, 15 years represent some minor children still at home. I've been a single mother most of their, my mothering years and their lives. And while that's easier in a lot of ways, because you minus all the conflict of another opinion or another agenda, it's also more difficult in a lot of ways. And those are fairly obvious, but I was probably 20 years, my oldest was probably 20 years old before it really hit me just how much of an influence I am on them as their mother, as their, and my middle child, I'm his only parent. He doesn't know his father. And the weight of that responsibility to be the best human I could be as a role model example is probably what was my strap on of jet fuel into this what the hell is this who am i how do you do this quote unquote right is there such a thing as right and i came to the same conclusion that you said it's individual and to the extent that i and my presence on this planet as their mother and as another human in their world influences them it is always better for them and me for me to be true to who I am because that's the one thing that nobody can argue with you about is who you really are inside who this 
Suzanne really is, who this Landon really is. Everybody else can have an opinion and an impression of that. But the authority on that is with each of us. And the responsibility of that is with each of us. And you exposed me to that term devotionally selfish. And as a woman of 57 years, that blew my head wide open because I have long lived with the idea of selfish is bad, not only from, it's morally bad to be selfish. And I'm like, oh, well, tell me what word describes being responsible and accountable for what you think, what you say, what you do, and how you react as the only things you truly have any shot at having control over in this life. And to see the way people abdicate that control that they have and try to control other things that they don't have a shot in hell of controlling. But to ask that question of uh, the best thing I can do for anybody also breathing right now is to figure out who I am and show up as her and let them self-select if they want to move in my orbit. And as far as my kids are concerned, I hope that they will always elect to be in my orbit. But as someone who distanced herself from her own mother, emotionally, for sure, not ever really geographically, but definitely emotionally and ideologically, I have to... Um, that is the one thing that scares me the most that the, that connection will break for some reason. But I also truly believe that if I focus my energy and attention on who I'm being and who I'm showing up as and the life I'm creating for myself, and I'm proud of that and value that the right people will be here. And hopefully my kids have enough in me to uh, me in them to make them some of the right people <laughs> for that, you know? But it kind of freaks me out to think about, it doesn't sway me from this quest. I love that word for this. It doesn't sway me from that, but it is always, Jesus, I hope I don't end up somewhere they aren't, you know? Very, very interesting to live this life, Lordy. Um, what do you like most about other humans in general? Interesting question. I don't like most other humans in general. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let me, let me pick at that a minute. No, let me ask the opposite question. What do you dislike? about humans in general the vast majority of us are walking around completely unconscious and automated acting out programs they picked up that they didn't choose to behave like mm -hmm. and the vast majority of people are they're they're automatons sleep um, at the wheel huh totally asleep at the wheel i mean I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Look at what we're doing to other people. Look at what we're doing to the other animals on this planet. Look at what we're doing to the planet. Like, look at what it is that we as a society value. Like, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with this? You know? Uh -huh. um, I used to really take issue with that because it was a lot easier to place the blame of of what's wrong or how I felt about myself on external things, including people. Yeah. Um, I have a really solid tribe of two dozen people in my sphere um, that I love connecting with, that I love and cherish. Um, and I don't, I don't put any judgment on them for all the ways that they're not perfect. 
what goes on on social media and the way people treat each other and like how the show is being run to go back to your example of religion is one of the many ways that some mankind uses to control other mankind. Some of the others are violence, obviously, mm-hmm. monetary, obviously, politically, obviously, right? Says who? Like, why is one person in charge of other people? Why is why are some people in charge? Like, cool, we've got a system that elects people, and I'm not political, and you know this, but like, for what purpose? Right. The whole game that's being played, the surface game that we've all agreed to consciously or unconsciously to, to play in is set up completely inappropriately. That's my perspective. I don't have to be the one whose opinion's right. And I value that. Um, to answer your question, the, the vast majority of it, like you're in my world, you know, I want to go live in a cave in the mountains. Yeah. I want to I want to have enough land where I can't see or hear other people. Not that I want to just go live in a cave and be a complete hermit. The vast majority of problems we the people on this planet have are self-created because we're asleep at the wheel. Oh, I definitely agree with that statement. So having clearly answered what you dislike about other humans now is there anything you like about humans yes and what is the most thing you like most about humans yep the thing i like about humankind is the incessant progression forward whether conscious or otherwise it's Mm -hmm. fascinating to watch um what i love about people specifically is I love watching people figure out the game that they're playing with themselves and go, oh, oh yeah. If I take responsibility, that means I have all the power. If I really recognize what's important to me, then none of this shit that I've been worried about my entire life really even matters. At some point in time, you're going to die. and Likely, your kids aren't coming with you. In this moment, in next month, and three years from now, you're going to be here with yourself. Yeah. It doesn't really matter who else is here with you. Now, of course, we want to have the the people that mean the most to us with us and along for the ride, right? Mm -hmm. You elected to not stay on that ride with your parents, Mm -hmm. right? So the only way you can go about trying to keep your kids in your sphere is to acknowledge the hypocrisy in that. Oh yeah. Want in one (laughs) hand, right? I'm sure you said that to your kids before (laughs) want in one hand. Um, the, I said it a little more colorfully, but yeah. Yeah. Want in one hand, shit in the other. Yeah. (laughs) We're related. We come from the same stock somewhere. Um, what I love about people is watching that moment. The light bulb goes off. And then the preceding moments where the light bulb goes on and off and on and off and on and off. The fuck I've got it. Shit. What was that? That whole dance of getting to know self. That's what I love watching in other people. Um, Open, honest, clear, direct communication with people who don't have an agenda beyond being themselves is likely my highest value when it comes to other human beings. Oh gosh. Yes. I so agree with that. And boy, is it hard to find. Yes. And that's also a story. Yes. And that's also a program. It's, it's conditioned, right? Yeah. We've, we've, we've done that. We've, um, we've expressed some of our conditioning and some of our programming in that. The vast majority of people on this planet are walking around unconscious. That's a story. It's programming, right? Because we're pattern-seeking, meaning-making machines, creating our experience, mostly 
unconsciously, meaning mostly without intent, conscious intent, we likely continue to see more and more of that story, which we tell ourselves, right? I think there is now, and there always has been a large percentage of, of alive human beings that are, that either have figured it out, right? This, this thing, or are in search of it. And because we all have our own path to this moment, we are so radically different and so completely unique comparatively that even though we're both American, we're both basically from the same middle part of the country, right? We're both essentially, we're, we're two ends of the same generation, right? We're really a lot alike in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We're so radically different because of the experiences that we've had and the perspectives that we've formed because of the programming and the conditioning and all of that, that make us, us that to say that somebody is clearly unconscious walking around to sleep at the wheel is just and merely an opinion. Yeah. It's my way of encountering my experience from my perspective. There's a lot of us that are asleep. Yeah. From my perspective, there's a lot of things that we as a, as a species globally do that I don't think are right. And that all begs the question, then who is right? And if I'm going to be responsible for myself, the only way that I can actually answer that is. For yourself, right? And everybody, therefore, is right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it boils back to that one thing that nobody can argue with, and that is your perspective nobody can invalidate your perspective unless they compare it to their own. And that invalidates the comparison. Mm-hmm. Yep. Period. Yep. It's always apples to oranges. Yeah. Why you think love conquers all? I think love is a term that most of us think we're defining the same way, trying to convey the same meaning. And we're, almost always talking about at least a slightly different thing. It's that, it's I that, that what I just said, it's perspective. Mm-hmm. How you define the term love, sure, I, I, I term it flow, right? How you term hate, I term disconnect, right? If we're talking about a very specific and a, and a meticulously defined phrase, love meaning the opposite of everything bad, one can't exist without the other. So from my perspective, the only way to win, quote unquote, this game is to continue playing it. Which one is going to be the conqueror, love or hate? I don't think that's a global or even a local thing. I think it's an individual thing. And it's just Mm -hmm. another way of saying that's the game we're playing with ourselves. Do I love myself or do I hate myself? Do I love myself more than I hate myself? Do I love the people in my life more than I hate having to deal with the people? Like you could go on and on and on about this. I don't think there is a thing that conquers all. I think it takes all of it. Yeah, if we uh, if we take that individualistic those parameters of it's a very individual thing, then I think the answer changes from one person to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and the ability to choose whether you exercise that or not is what gets you to that conclusion, I think. It sure does feel like an awful friggin' lot to deal with, you know? I mean, talking to you <laughs> always makes, it always shakes me up thinking, oh crap, there's a whole ass warehouse of shit over here I haven't even looked at yet, you know? But at the same time, I seek that out 
because I want to know all the hidden warehouses that I can't see because of my blind spots and my, my perspective not being any more complete or absolutely true than anyone else's. It's great to have people like you in my life. I'm so glad you're here. My goodness. Um, <laughs> one of the things I was going to ask you is, have you gotten closer to the meaning of life in the last 10 years? Well, obviously, that's a big roar and yes. Um, and I think that, you know, this whole conversation is a, is a big roaring yes to that question. But let me ask you this, two things. What's the best thing in your life right now? The best thing in my life right now? Yeah. The fact that I am so trained to be self-aware and constantly focused on becoming more self-aware because everything comes after that. I'm either automatic and behaving unconsciously or I'm present and I'm behaving consciously. Everything is either dictated, controlled, influenced, or participated in from that place. Everything comes after that. The second piece to that is my very patient way of constantly learning how to deal with myself. That's the very best patient. Hold on. There you, ooh, how did you get over the impatience? Did you ever feel impatience in that? <clears throat> Absolutely. I'm one of the one of my instructions that I constantly gave to myself openly in front of other people and in my own head, quote unquote, behind closed doors is I am the most impatient person on the planet. Hold on. Say that? That? I am the most impatient person on the planet. So that was one of your programs. Yep. Okay. And rhetorical question back. How do you think that made me feel? How do you think that made me act? How do you think that allowed me to treat myself and other people? Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a, almost a cliche statement, but how I, how I quote unquote overcame that, which is not the right way to, to say it, but I'll come back to that in a second. Radical acceptance. What does that actually mean? Well, from my perspective now, basically I gave up trying to control things outside of my control and I focused my energy and my attention on things that I could, which is basically these two things, much of what I think about and how I respond to things in my experience. And through lots of practice and raising two kids and dealing with buttoning up the hell that I created for myself in my 20s, um, 20-ish years later, I am very patient when it comes to dealing with myself, which allows me to be extraordinarily patient with things outside of myself. Yeah, I get that. What do you struggle with the most now? Myself. Absolutely. Without question. Yeah. We're unruly creatures, aren't we? <laughs> it's, it's an interesting game. I, and I don't think, I don't, I think this is ultimately the only game everybody is playing. I don't think it's the right game for everybody. And I don't think most people are aware that this is the game they're playing, the game of self. Hold on. You don't think it's the right game for everybody? I think there's a lot of people that for many different reasons are not yet equipped to dive in and play the game of self. I think personally, and this is, I'm not a doctor and I don't play one on the internet. I think that is partly or one of the many reasons for actual insanity is the inability to deal with self, whether it's because of or influenced by external factors. I think legit insanity is the incapableness of dealing with self. I don't think there's like, I've got family members, I've got friends that they have no interest in playing the game of self. They'd rather occupy themselves with the two or three tiers down level of game, right? Making all the monies, 
building the empire, like doing stuff basically in the third dimension. They just tell their little self to sit down and shut up, go away, fucking leave me alone. I got this handled and occupy themselves with, here we go with some of the religious stuff, all of the worldly bullshit. That's ultimately just a distraction from what the ultimate game is. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't think the game of self is the right game for everybody. And one of the things that I've thought about the last few years that I've been really clarifying this thing that I'm talking about, dude, it's a game, game of self is this looking back through the generations, my parents' generation, my generation, my grandparents' generation, looking back through the generations and and noticing the pockets of people that for a moment at, at least had a glimpse of there's something more than this bullshit that we're fucking doing. Yeah. Um, and in that, I think, I think ultimately this is the game that we're all playing. Ultimately it's the only game really that there is. Some of us, this is not the right round, right. To dive in and play this game of self. And what do humans do best? We find things to distract ourselves from that which we need to tend to, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're really skilled at that. <laughs> yep. So, on many different levels, too. I forget what the initial question was, but did what that answer it? Yeah. What do I struggle with the most? Absolutely. It's dealing with myself. How do I integrate my ego? And all of their issues, concerns, worries, fears, problems, resentments, trespasses. How do I integrate those? And I, what's interesting about this is from my perspective where I am currently, I don't think there's an end to that game. Yeah. I've addressed the impatience thing to the extent that I, I just have become extraordinarily patient with things outside of myself. I still deal with the internal impatience of many things internally, right? Mm -hmm. But as I've, as I've matured, as I've grown up, as I've dealt with raising kids and then all of the crazy that comes with that. And, you know, like I said earlier, buttoning up all the hell that I created for myself in my twenties, I've gotten more and more and more patient with dealing with myself and I'll hit a stretch where I'm like, Oh, I got this. And then all of a sudden, wham, here's the, like, I thought I already dealt like, what the hell? Yeah. It's just another layer deeper on that same issue. Yeah. Why am I impatient? I'm impatient because things aren't the way that I think they're supposed to be. Oh, what's that mean? I have an opinion on the way things are supposed to be. And because things aren't, my expectations aren't being met. Oh, expectations. What am I focused on? Right. And it's just layer after layer or level after level, deeper and deeper and deeper. What I struggle with is myself. I don't struggle with anything external to me any longer. Do things trigger me and cause me to be do I get frustrated with other people and circumstances? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I don't struggle with that shit. It's all internal, right? Hmm. Dealing with the neighbor that's doing construction outside. You can't hear it because this mic's pretty decent. But mm-hmm. zzz, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not frustrated with them. I'm frustrated internally with me being frustrated about that thing that I can't control. Yeah. So two more questions and then I'm going to let you go because I can talk to you all day. Cool. Um, one is what do you think people constantly misunderstand about you? Constantly misunderstand about me. Wow. That's a great question. What do people constantly misunderstand about me? What do I think people constantly misunderstand about me? That's a good question. I would say internally, my perspective on that, my take on that is that I want them 
to feel great about themselves. And oftentimes I notice things they're doing, whether they're aware of them or not, that are causing them to not feel great about themselves. And sometimes I'm taken the wrong way. So when you express that or note that or point it out, your misinterpret, your intention is misinterpreted. Yep. And you come, you've been labeled judgmental where that is not at all your intention or motivation. Oh boy. Yeah. We have that one in common too. I, if I could get a, you know, the airplane message tailing behind the airplane to see the whole, let the whole world see about me. It is it's rarely ever judgment people. It's pure curiosity. Like clink, that doesn't make sense to me. Explain yourself. It's okay. Whatever your answer is for me. I'm really not judging, but boy, howdy, do I get that, that look of how dare you question that? I'm like, man, well, sorry. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so my last question is, I met you through Leeds Lab, through client acquisition stuff, and you had a phrase in that that I've heard you carry over to this, and that is do, doing the doing. And for me, and this is really a question to you about how you see this, but also I'm sneaking in a, hey, how far off of your definition is this mine? The doing, the doing, because as an, a flaming introvert, I could, I could happily and do often spend whole days by myself thinking, and I'm just happier than a pig in shit. I mean, I love that. And I've heard the whole, you know, that quit inspecting your belly button thing, you know, getting lost in the, in the fuzz in your own belly button. To me, it seems like doing the doing is the way that you prevent yourself from getting lost in your own belly button. And so my question then is, do you see it as a circular thing that you can just jump into at any point? And because to me, introspection informs my behavior and my doing and my doing and the results therein influence my introspection. So it seems fairly circular to me in many ways. I don't get the sense that there is a beginning or an end. It's, a, it's the circle of life. It's the infinity circle. And so what, what, hmm. How do I form this question that I get what I really want to know? Um, how do you see it starting for someone? How have you seen it most often start? Is it the introspection piece or is it an event that catalyzes that introspection? To clarify, when you say it, what do you mean exactly by it? Playing the game consciously. Mm -hmm. Yep. So... First, before I answer that, the, the short is doing the doing is the mechanism to remind us to do the action, to, to actually act on what it is we can actually do. The get out of our heads part and the go yep. be that in the world yep. part, right? Okay. And that mechanism is specific to the context, right? In client acquisition, in organic marketing, doing the doing is like, be your weird ass self and put yourself out there so people can get to know you. Yeah. In client acquisition, as it applies to like asking for the conversation, like, well, if you don't ever ask somebody to a conversation, good luck getting somebody into a conversation. Like doing the doing is, is the action piece of it. Here's mm -hmm. why. So many of us, myself included, and this is, this is likely number two on the list of what I struggle with is 
being so sophisticated in the way that I maneuver myself in this game, the way that I play it, keeping myself focused on figuring out the how instead of concerning myself with the what. Okay, here's the, here's the phrase. Concern yourself with the what, don't worry about the how. Right. You get busy focused on the what and begin taking steps in that, the how becomes apparent. As far as this goes, this thing that we're talking about, this game of self as it, doing the doing starts with the recognition that something's wrong and I may be able to find out how to fix it. What do most of us do? We look here, religion. We look there, personal development. We look here, self-help. We look there, other people. We try and, we're trying to find the answer to this thing that we think is wrong. Mm-hmm. That I think is the, that's where it starts. People finally conclude, oh, the religious answers don't quite fit me right. The self-help answers don't quite fit me right. The personal development gurus and the performance coaches and, and the, the people that can show me how to make billions of dollars and all of those pathways, those answers, those outcomes kind of sort of fit, but it's like a jacket off the rack. Mm-hmm. Most of us have done enough of that to where it's most, it's more like I, I found a jacket that I pulled off the rack and then I had a tailor fit to me, but fits pretty good. Those of us that are really playing this game, that still doesn't work. I need the jacket that was made for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it starts with recognizing that something's wrong. That eventually becomes, there's something wrong with me eventually becomes, how do I fix that? Right. It's recognition that something doesn't feel right. Something feels off. And then it goes from that to intention somehow, some way I'm, I will either die trying or I will find how to fix this, right? Mm-hmm. It's the recognition, something's wrong to the intention to ultimately changed behavior to from there practice from there second nature from there new identity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Landon, I promised those were my only last two questions, but I've got 500 more in my head. Mm-hmm. So I reserve the right to invite you back for another conversation in the future. Well played. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today and having this conversation. It is the quality and content of this conversation is my favorite kind of conversation to have. And I really appreciate you being willing to play with me today in this. I appreciate you and having this conversation. Awesome. If you're hell bent on wringing every last drop of awesome out of this life and the time you have here, I invite you to visit SuzanneSaysPodcast.com for more conversations and to subscribe. If you'd like to be a guest and have a conversation, email me at letstalk at suzannesayspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.